Welcome to the Air Health, Our Health podcast. I'm Erica, a lung and ICU doctor. Every day in my ICU and clinic, I see patients who are there from breathing unhealthy air. And I started Air Health, Our Health to focus more upstream on the importance of healthy air for healthy people and healthy economies. Thanks for joining me. I frequently tell my patients with asthma that there are as many types of asthma as there are people with asthma. The illness develops from a complex interaction of our family history, childhood environment, indoor and outdoor air quality, diet, and more. Once the illness is present, it can be worsened by a variety of factors, many of which we have already discussed on this podcast, from tobacco smoke, air pollution, pollen, wildfires, mold, cockroach exposure, and more. Furthermore, all of these factors can interact with each other. One of those factors is obesity. My guest today has studied the impact of obesity on asthma, and we discussed that today, as well as how air pollution may have a disproportionate impact on those who are obese. We also discuss factors that affect members of the Latino community who suffer from asthma and other illnesses, and what can be done at the individual and community level to improve health. Dr. Fernando Olguin is a pulmonologist and professor of medicine and pediatrics in the Division of Pulmonary Sciences and Critical Care Medicine at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. He grew up in Mexico City, where he went to medical school followed by residency and fellowship at Emory University. He has focused his 25-year career on research and patient care, focusing on those with asthma, including severe and difficult-to-treat asthma in particular. He is the director of the Clinical and Research Asthma Program and the executive director of the Colorado School of Public Health's Latino Research and Policy Center. He also serves as the co-chair of the American Thoracic Society and European Respiratory Society Task Force on Severe Asthma. He is an NIH, ALA, and AsthmaNet investigator and has participated in the implementation and design of crossover clinical trials related to asthma. His work initially focused on epidemiology of disease and lung physiology, but more recently he has been studying mechanisms of disease. Dr. Holguin has authored or co-authored more than 170 papers and is internationally known for his work in asthma, COPD, and air pollution. Dr. Holguin enjoys spending time with his family, skiing, reading, and traveling to new places. Welcome to the Air Health, Our Health podcast. <laughs> um, so first, why don't you tell us about your background and how you became interested in asthma and hard-to-treat asthma? Yeah, thank you, Rika. I'm a pulmonary critical care doctor here at the University of Colorado, and, and um, you know, my after fellowship, I became really interested in asthma um, when I was in Mexico working in air pollution. And I saw the relationship between first air pollution and cardiovascular disease, and then air pollution and asthma. And um, that led me to working at the Center for Disease Control many years, uh, focusing on population health, and statistics, uh, and epidemiology. And then I've always wanted to do more about mechanistic translational work. And so now my work is mostly related to trying to understand which biological mechanisms and response to different therapies may uh, are involved in the association between obesity and asthma. And what are the main features that contribute to hard to treat or severe asthma, particularly in the Latino population? Several factors, Erika. Indeed, you know, the Latino population has a higher prevalence of, you know, obesity, diabetes. Um, these are some of the factors that are being associated with, you know, poor asthma control and reduced response to medications. And there's probably a wide variation in, um, you know, some Hispanic groups versus others, because this is not a monolithic approach, but, you know, obviously people from, from um, Puerto Rico have one of the highest, if not the highest asthma prevalence and severity in, in, in that there is. And people from Mexico have a lower prevalence. But one, you know, we did a study years ago in the CDC where we looked at um, migration from Mexico to the US. And what we found is that, you know, over time, people from Mexico that migrate into the U.S., their asthma goes up, 
And there's this really fascinating relationship between migration and, and asthma, where obesity may play a role. Like, for example, if you take people that are born in a low prevalence country and they migrate into a high prevalence country, their asthma eventually goes up and kind of like catches up to the, to the host country, but also weight goes up. You know, most, most migrants, particularly Hispanic migrants, the rate of weight increase after migration to the US is just dramatically up, um, you know, to the optic of different diets and things like that. Yeah. And so speaking of, um, you know, kind of migration impacts and everything, you've also looked at the interaction between income and asthma severity, and a lot of people are migrating for, you know, income opportunities. What is that link and how does it impact Latinos in the U.S.? It's a very good question. I think there are different factors associated with um, income. Uh, at some level is access to medications and primary care, which are huge determinants of, of health and, and obviously having um, health insurance. But it's also, as you mentioned a little bit, it's the, the big paradox, right? I mean, you sometimes go from a situation when you have no income and then you start to make a living and then the incidence or prevalence of many chronic diseases starts to go up. Um, it's always a competing, I think, issue between risks and things that prevent risk. You know, like, you know, you make more money, you perhaps start to eat not so many good things. <laughs> Your weight increases, but you also have access to medications and doctors. And at the end of the day, it depends on that balance of risks and protect and protection that maybe drives Europe, whether you develop a disease or not. You know? yeah. Well, much of your research has looked at the interaction of obesity and asthma. So what do we know about that interaction? Well, that's, as you can see behind me, it's a little of a crazy, uh, complicated mesh of ideas. But, you know, for the longest time, I think people knew that in obesity and metabolic syndrome, there are factors in lipids and immune lipid metabolic pathways that ultimately affect the way your, you know, your cardiovascular system behaves. You know, so this is, this is, these are well-known things. But then in, um, in the airway, that was not really fully explored. And so over time, I think a lot of researchers are finding out that as obesity goes up, you know, your ability of airways to bronchodilate normally and function normally is impaired and your response to medications is impaired. And there are many different potential mechanisms. I mean, do we know what mechanism is driving? No, it's probably gonna be many, many different biological mechanisms that apply for different people. And then it seems like there are differences in how obesity interacts with air pollution and asthma, and it might be different whether asthma starts early in life or later in life. Is that accurate? Yeah. You know, even just in terms of the disease, I mean, I think, for example, somebody who develops a disease early in life, which is predominantly allergic, who gains weight, um, their asthma may be impacted by weight gain, as been shown in kids. Uh, in adults, for example, asthma has a different connotation in which leads to the development of this phenotype or this clinical asthma type that occurs predominantly in females, so if you look at some of the data from large cardiovascular cohorts, they've shown that in women after the age of 40, you know, 60 to 70% of the asthma that occurs is adult onset. And a lot of these, when a lot of these adult onset asthma cases is, is intimately involved or increased by obesity. And that leads to a different type of inflammatory pathway that's usually not responsive to steroids. And in many cases, patients that have obesity um, you know, when exposed to ozone, they tend to have more problems with bronchial hyperactivity. Um, you know, 
you're not going to see a very strong signal epidemiologically. Like with, when you look at air pollution and asthma, you may see a little bit of an increased uptake in risk in people that are obese. Um, but the reason why it's not like this incredibly strong response is because there's probably a, quite a bit of variability, uh, variability susceptibility. You know, not every person with obese, as well as not every person with asthma is going to be running to emergency room when ozone is elevated. You know, there's quite a bit of a spread in that, that response. Can air pollution cause or worsen obesity on its own? Yeah, I mean, there's good, there, there are actually some research that suggests that that might be the case. Um, I think that's really hard to prove, but epidemiologically, there's certainly an association between people growing in air pollution environments and having higher risk of obesity. But at the end of the day, you know, that there's a lot of competing risks in that relationship. So yes, yes, to some extent, I don't think it's fully understood in my view. Yeah. And it, it just becomes such a vicious cycle because, you know, when you can't breathe, how do you exercise to try to lose weight, you know, and it's just this, you know, horrible cycle that people get trapped in. Does weight loss actually change this response to inflammation in patients with asthma or development of obesity go with also developing asthma? You know, and Dixon from University of Vermont, who's really a, um, one of the leading minds in this field, did a study years ago where she looked at pe- people that had asthma were undergoing bariatric surgery and Although everybody's symptoms improved after losing weight, the ones that really had the most physiological impact in airway function were the ones that had this less atopic, perhaps more adult onset driven disease. So yes, most people will improve, but the impact of weight loss in some patients with asthma may depend on, on the underlying asthma phenotype. Some people may improve more than others. And you've also looked at differences in the social construct of race and its impact on airway inflammation in those with asthma. What has that shown? You know, I mean, race is a big factor. In SARP, um, Severe Asthma Research Program, when I was working in the University of Pittsburgh with Sally Wenzel and, and others, um, you know, we showed that in Blacks, for example, asthma severity is a lot more IgE-driven disease or more allergic-driven disease, and so less so in Caucasians. Um, so there are different factors, but race, as you know, is a complicated uh, relationship. You know, there are many... Race is just... The color of your skin is not necessarily a genetic determinant of who you are. And race is more of a, in my view, is more of a socioeconomical construct. And therefore, when you look at asthma in Blacks in the urban city, it's not necessarily, their asthma is much worse clearly, but it's not because there's something necessarily wrong with their genetics. It's actually because they're potentially related to, you know, living environments, as you mentioned earlier, redlining districts in which there's more air pollution, there's worse housing, in addition, there's worse diet, more more processed food, less less fresh produce. I mean, there's so many things, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, a combination of all of them. <laughs> yeah. So again, talk about vicious spirals. <laughs> it is, yes. What has your work at the Latino Center for Research and Policy shown about health disparities in the Latino population in general? You know, there's some, we've done some work. Um, some of our investigators, Dr. Borrayo, um, doing very nice work on, showing that there's really significant disparities in management and care and, um, and outcomes associated with head and neck cancer and lung cancer in Latinos. And we've also started doing some work looking at environmental exposures in Aurora and Denver in Colorado in people with and without asthma and seeing um, really significant environmental disparities, higher exposures on immigrant groups and, and worse indoor living conditions. So. I think just a lot of reflection that what, what's happening here in Colorado is a microcosm of what, of what happens elsewhere in the, in the country. Yeah. So what actions can individuals or communities take who are worried about the toll of the interaction of asthma, air pollution, and obesity? 
I think it can get really overwhelming. I would just probably take it one step at a time. Um, someone with asthma, first of all, is, you know, get diagnosed, embark on some stable treatment. That's number one, right? And then number two is like, think about things you can change in your environment. So for one instance, you know, there are things we can easily control, which is our indoor environment to some extent. And that's, for example, our combustion sources, anything that lights up cigarettes, pipes, any type of tobacco, marijuana, combustion, you know, the indoor particle deposition is tremendous and it, and it stays in the air for a long time. Um, and it's really harmful for kids and adults. Um, and it's associated with, with increased risk for developing asthma in children. That's a very well-known um, risk factor. Other things we can control but take time is our diet and our weight. Um, and I think those are long-term commitments of eating more, thinking about less processed foods and eating more fresh produce, um, you know, grains, healthy meats, and maintaining an active lifestyle. And I think people always think immediately like, oh, I don't, don't want to go to the gym. But, you know, it could be just by starting to take more steps on a daily basis. Um, you know, being more active and less sedentary ultimately improves weight control and management down the road and it improves your asthma as well. So, but don't try to, you know, don't try to change everything that's wrong potentially that's harming your health on one day. It's just not going to happen. So just small steps, one step at a time. And I think small, small victories build up. And also remember that, you know, you do, you know, you sometimes you feel like you take three steps forward, two backwards, and but it's an issue of, of this constant forward movement that really eventually um, becomes really important, you know? Yeah. And then working to clean up the air so people uh, get less affected in the yeah. future. And I think too. the other thing we haven't talked about, Erica, is mental health. I mean, I mm -hmm. think particularly in the setting of a social isolation in a pandemic, it's a very unusual times. Taking care of your own mental health is really important and finding social support is really key. Um, as you know, one of the greatest risk factors for mortality, poor outcomes in many chronic diseases is loneliness and mm -hmm. depression and isolation. So trying to have a network, if it's a church or friends, people you can talk to, people you can share experiences with virtually, non-virtually, doing safely environment, um, those things can be very, very important life-saving things that we sometimes don't think about. But you know, having a church group or a friend group to hang out could be life-saving, you know, yeah. but do it safely, you know, <laughs> make sure they're, you know, you can be a little more free if you're vaccinated, if not social distancing, mask covering. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, this has been great. I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Of course. Well, thank you very much for joining me today and for all your work to help patients with asthma and improve the health of the Latino community. Thank you, Eric, and for you for disseminating this information. Thank you so much. Thank you. As you could hear on the podcast today, so many elements of our health are determined by multiple complicated factors, including the air we breathe, our own family history, and even our diet and exercise. I frequently see patients whose asthma is worsened by obesity or who did not develop asthma until they developed obesity. Obesity is a complex syndrome and impacts people in different ways. I see the people for whom it contributes to worsened breathing. Weight loss certainly helps, but weight loss is often not easy. It is fascinating how the air we breathe can impact us differently based on our underlying health, just like the research we discussed today showing how air pollution can lead to more severe heart disease and lung damage in obese individuals. 
I also appreciate Dr. Holguin's call to avoid lighting things on fire and breathing them into the lungs from tobacco to attention to using cooking fires indoors. So what can you do? First, try to decrease processed foods in the diet. Add more vegetables, fruits, and whole grains to your diet. Two, if someone in your family or you is coughing regularly or has shortness of breath, talk to your doctor about it. A diagnosis is very important. Sometimes when someone's short of breath and suffers from obesity, people attribute it to the obesity, but there can be underlying lung disease as well. Three, learn more about asthma risk factors and triggers. Four, as always, stop smoking. <laughs> Please see the website or podcast notes if you need help to quit. Five, calculate your BMI. See a calculator in the podcast notes. If it's over 25, you may be overweight. If it's over 30, you may have obesity and be at risk for a more severe health impact from air pollution. Talk to your doctor about what steps may be most important for your health. And finally, get vaccinated for COVID-19 when you can to help slow the spread and avoid the dangerous variants and follow health precautions. Decreasing isolation will also help with mental health. We're coming to the end of the podcast. For more information about the importance of healthy air, please visit airhealthourhealth.org and follow on Instagram and Facebook. Remember, if you do nothing else, don't light things on fire and breathe them into your lungs. This applies to tobacco, diesel fuel, forests, and more. Thanks for joining me today. I am a full-time physician and not an epidemiologist or public health expert. This podcast is for your education and entertainment, but should not be interpreted as individual medical advice. Please consult with your own healthcare team to determine what is right for your health. Thank you and stay safe.